welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? Let's just give Jesus some more praise. You're worthy, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. That's it. Give him a, a little more than that. Come on. Jesus is King. Why don't you just, just say, Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. We love you, God. We're here for you, God. You're amazing. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're sitting, why don't you say to the person next to you, get ready to be brainwashed. You did say we don't have any first-time visitors, didn't you, Charles? (laughs) That's a weird title. Get ready to be brainwashed. That's the title of the message. All right, and so uh, hopefully by the end of the message, you'll understand why I have titled it Brainwashed. Actually, why he titled this message Brainwashed. But before we do that, I've got a little, uh, a little story to tell you. A pastor had dinner at the home of a couple in his church. I was looking over to see if Moses was still there, but he's not. Did a great job, Moses, with all the band, by the way. Julie, first time leading. Come on. Hey, 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 hey. All right, getting back to my story. This is very important. You ready? A pastor had dinner at the home of a couple in his church. After he left, now, by the way, the couple brought out the the best silverware, and this was, it was just fancy spoons. It was all happening, okay? And after he left, the wife said to the husband, I think he stole our spoon. The pastor stole the spoon. This bothered her for a whole year. I was getting, you know, she was in the church services, and it was building up. And then uh, after a year later, the couple had the pastor for dinner again. This time, unable to resist, the wife asked, did you steal our spoon last year? The pastor replied, no, I put it inside your Bible. Uh Uh-oh. Boom. (laughs) All right. Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this great family. Father, I thank you for community. I thank you for discipleship. I thank you that church is not our idea, it's your idea. And I'm blessed just to be a part of this um, beautiful community in this city, in this nation. We're very blessed, God, and every day we're grateful. And uh, Lord, help us to continue to have a mindset and a heart attitude, a posture of thankfulness and gratefulness. Um, It's okay to be, uh, in a a constructive way, uh, critical. So, uh, in in some ways, to to help build and to grow. But Lord, help us not to be uh, critical in a negative, carnal way in our lives. Lord, but help us to be continually focusing on what you are doing and uh, to be thankful and to be grateful because we know your word says that we can enter your gates with thanksgiving 
in our heart. We enter through your gates and we enter into your courts with thanksgiving, with gratefulness. I thank you, God, that even right now as we just say thank you, I just right now, even just in your own way, just begin to thank God for three things right now. Just get your mind on and, and yeah, position your heart to be thankful right now for three things and just begin to thank him. Just even now, just before we get into the teaching, just say it out loud. Thank you, God. Just three things. a good way to start a teaching because now we're like we're just positioned to enter his gates because we I want this to be a an experiential teaching somewhat today okay so it's not just hitting our mind although our mind is important but it hits our heart and hits our whole being and we want this to uh, affect every area of our life and we want it to flow outside of these four walls come Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday, everywhere we go. Amen? Like a river, let it flow. Who's up for that? All right. So, I was on the Gold Coast this week and at a media conference. I was in Brisbane before that and at a a Glory City Church uh, network gathering with lots of different pastors. Then I was at the Gold Coast and we were connecting with uh, TV CEOs, a Christian TV in particular, national, Australian, and also in New Zealand, and lots of different radio stations there. It was really cool because we're beginning to work out a media strategy in the lead up to Awakening Australia. So please keep us in prayer with that. And uh, so I love the beach, went over to the beach, and I'm sitting there. Uh, this is in between sessions at the conference, and just I love to pray by the beach. Who loves to pray by the beach? It's, something special, it does something to your soul. In the Psalms, it actually talks about still waters, green pastures, and nature and things like that can actually settle your soul. It says, he leads me beside still waters and green pastures, and he, and he s- settles or restores our soul. Uh, they weren't still waters in, on the Gold Coast, they were actually excellent waves for all the surfers, on surfers paradise there. But anyway, I'm sitting there on this bench, coffee, of course, in one hand, Bible and the other, and uh, so it was a great moment, and then I start hearing this bird begin to sing. Everyone say, a bird sang. I just wanted you to say that. Normally the preacher says the important part, like gets you to repeat the important part. I feel a bit silly today, so. So a bird sang, and uh, you might be thinking, this is a, a weird start to a message. It's called brainwash, and he's talking about birds singing. So a bird sang. And uh, this bird was a butcher bird, and it's a singing bird. I only heard them in Sunshine Coast and in Gold Coast. Maybe they're in other places as well for some of you guys that are into birds and things like that. But these particular birds that sing, that sing really well, are only, uh, I've only heard them in Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast. So sitting there, and then I'm reminded of something that happened to Chelsea and I 10 years ago. Before we planted our first church. We were newlyweds, and uh, I 
I had this song come into my heart 10 years ago. Now, it's a song that we've never recorded, never really sang it uh, publicly or uh, for worship or anything like that, but it's a song that dropped from heaven that was just kind of my song. And uh, for you musicians and artists, you know how that is. Sometimes it's for others and sometimes it's just a personal song between you and God. And so that, this was one of those songs. I'll sing it to you now because it's got really powerful lyrics. It's, um, every word that proceedeth out of your mouth will not come back, come back void. It will accomplish that which it was sent out to do. And they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. Every word that proceedeth out of your mouth will not come back, come back void. It will accomplish that which it was sent out to do. And they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. Really interesting that that was 10 years ago. Don't sing it, but just sticks in my brain. And anyone know what that, those uh, words are from or where it's based from, those lyrics? Isaiah 55, 11, actually. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which... I sent it. So now this little, this little jingle that was written before we left for the church plant, insignificant in some ways, just this small little song. But when we arrive on the Sunshine Coast, so we, we decide, so we get married, God calls us to plant our first church. We're about three days into having a, a house there. We're staying in a, in a town called Budrum. No, sorry, we're in Alexandra Headland. Anyone know the Sunshine Coast? Beautiful place, and we're in this Alexandra Headland holiday place. Uh, Chelsea's pregnant. We're just we're excited about this new mission. We're in this new place. We don't know anybody. We don't have any favor. We don't have any team. All we have is the word of the Lord. It's a, it's an exciting place to be. Sometimes it can be scary too. So I'm sitting on the veranda of this house in Alexandra Headland, and. Uh, by the way, Isaac Harrison, that's where I met Isaac Harrison, uh, the champion over there and on the sunny coast. But I'm sitting there and this butcher bird, I didn't know it was a butcher bird at the time, I've done a little bit of research on it now, begins to sing this melody, the melody of the song that I just sang. Dun, 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 dun. You can ask Chelsea, we were like tripping out. Exactly the melody of this song that we had just written in Melbourne before we left for the Sunshine Coast. Dun, 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 dun. And this same bird was singing on the Gold Coast. It wasn't it was singing that melody, but it was the same bird. And that just reminded me of that moment. And we needed to be encouraged around the Word of God that it would not come back void, that it would accomplish that which it was sent out to do because in the early days of our first church plant pioneering something 
it was very, very difficult. I mean, church planning and ministry can be difficult at the best of times, but in these early days, uh, like we had four people in, in the church for a long time. We called them the Fab Four, and because uh, they were just faithful. One was like um, a little bit out there with bipolar and like had some pretty crazy ideas and stuff like that. And uh, so it took a little while to disciple him. Another lady was like so fearful and uh, she wouldn't look you in the eye. And so it took a little bit of time with her as well. And then this other guy was, uh, I think he was a criminal on the run. And so it took a little bit of time for him too. And uh, the Fab Four, it was awesome. There was another guy too. Who was the other one? I can't remember. He might have been normal. That's probably why I can't remember. (laughs) So anyway, during those early, early days of church planning, God was more planting us, I think, than planning a church necessarily on on the Sunshine Coast. And we learned that Success in man's eyes is not necessarily success in God's eyes. And he began to burn out uh, worldly ambition or selfish ambition or successful ambition in terms of crowds and numbers. And not that there's anything wrong with that because obviously God wants the multitude saved. So please hear what I'm saying. But, but God wanted to know whether we'd be obedient to him even in the face of what would seem to be in the early stages something that was unsuccessful in our expectations. And so we learned a lot, and we learned to die to ourselves. And interesting, a year into it, uh, things started to change. And all of a sudden, it's like supernaturally, the gates start to open. And a year into it, these, the Fab Four aren't so uh, crazy anymore, and they're actually starting to get it. The Word of God is starting to really begin to renew their mind. They're starting to begin to live that transformed life and we start to see the effects of the word of God begin to kick in and some of those fab four end up helping us later lead home groups in different areas as more people begin to uh, come into church so it's just never ever uh, be frustrated with the early stages the humble beginnings don't despise those humble beginnings Often it's God trying to build you before he begins to open you up to the fullness of your calling. But sometimes people will abort their calling because they think, oh, well, it's not working. And, and so we must always follow obedience over what we think is right. We follow the Word of God no matter what it looks like on the surface. And I'm so grateful that we passed that test back then because we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing now unless... God was able to build character in us through those early stages of church planning as a newlywed couple. So yay, Jesus. So I'm on the Gold Coast hearing this bird sing, the same butcher bird that freaked us out as a newlywed couple singing that melody, every word that proceedeth out of your mouth. And God began to speak to me about the importance of the Word of God and begin to frame this message that I'm uh, sharing this morning on the importance of the Word of God. That very same day, I'm uh, having lunch now, so morning coffee. Now I'm having lunch. It was a good lunch, by the way. And uh, I'm flicking through the news feed on social media. And uh, a friend of mine named Jackson posts something. And I'm not a... You can ask my wife, I don't really cry much. Um, I'm, I'm not all that emotional unless God's on it. And I'm like a crybaby, man. I'm like... <laughs> 
when God's on it, when the anointing's on it, when the Holy Spirit moves. That's that's because I know that I don't get emotional otherwise. And so whenever I'm emotional, I know, okay, God's on this. So he began to speak to me about this testimony that a man named Jackson, he's a young guy that I've been mentoring from a distance for a number of years. He was in a really, really bad place. And uh, so I just want to read this. About three years ago, I sat across the restaurant table from a dear friend, Daniel. Though it's too long to properly explain here, I shared with him that I was in the middle of a three-year tormenting battle in my heart about a lot of hyper-grace teachings. Anyone heard of hyper-grace? So hyper-grace, just before I go on, is a way that's language to help frame a particular idea setting or a particular theology or even just a, a way of living, probably more likely, where people abuse and use the grace of God and try to claim that grace is a license to continue in habitual sin. Now, a lot of us are weak and we're going to make mistakes and we have an advocate. The Bible says the blood of Jesus washes us clean and we have forgiveness. And, but some people take that a bit too far and begin to step into a hyper grace, a twisted grace, and begin to say that this grace is actually a license to continue in a habitual practice of sin. We don't want that. It's not good. When you say to the person next to you, just go like that as well to say, it's not good. <laughs> all right. So we've got birds and waving and brainwashed today. It's all happening. All right. Jesus. So uh, you guys good? You okay? I was at the Hawthorne Church last night. So I've still got a bit of Sam Fitzgerald's silliness. Just he's, I was under his anointing last night. He's a prankster. So I'm still just got a bit of that happening. So three-year tormenting battle in my heart about a lot of hyper-grace teachings, one-liners, and perspectives about sin, righteousness, hell, heaven, works, rest, you name it. I just didn't know what was true anymore. I told him this torment would leave me screaming into my pillow at night to get to sleep because there were voices shouting lies at me, telling me how to interpret Scripture, telling me who God was, who I was, and who people were. Often, I would have horrific nightmares too. Dear friends of ours, uh, his mom was... Like she would talk to us about it and say, I need help. I don't know what to do. Because as a mom, I mean, that would be horrific. Hearing your son like screaming into a pillow at night, not knowing what to do. Demons, literal demonic spirits were attacking him. And this went on for years and years. He goes on to write, 24-7, no exaggeration. During that time, dozens of random people from random churches people I'd never met would come up to me and, and give me a prophetic word saying, I can see the devil shouting lies in your ear. It's like a voice that you hear. But the Lord says, don't worry, they can't touch you. So he's hearing, hearing these prophetic words and people are saying, I, I see in the spirit these voices, but don't worry, they can't touch you. And he's thinking, well, they kind of are touching me because I'm like, I'm, I'm a mess. And he's hearing these prophetic words, but he's not experiencing what they're saying because he doesn't know what to do. There was a, 
really, really crazy situation. So I, I had some ministry out on the Central Coast, and I was able to catch up with him personally one-on-one. So I'm praying with him, trying to work through some things with him. But this moment in this cafe was really powerful. During that time, uh, sorry, after I shared everything with Dan, he didn't debate with me or answer any of the questions I had that I thought were valid. He merely recognized I wasn't reading the Bible which I hadn't in quite some time, and pushed me to read it every day. Seems so simple, but the way I recognized it wasn't a word of knowledge or some supernatural thing. When he was speaking to me, he continued to quote, this person said this, this preacher says this, this person in my revival group said this this person said that and it was he said she said but not once did I hear him say the bible says and when your theology is based on he said she said you're going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine unstable in all your ways confused dazed and confused And so we recognized that he needed to establish his faith, not in what man says. And of course, there's a balance to that because we love teachers and preachers. We have them in, I'm doing it right now, and, and we have conferences and we have speakers that we admire, that we honor. But we do not base our faith on what they are saying. We bring it back to the Word of God. We must study the Scriptures ourselves. We must read the Bible for ourselves. We must base our life, our roots must be deep, not in man's opinion, even good opinions. Let their opinion inspire you to go back to the very scriptures that they got it from and plant your life in them because opinions will come and go. Streams of Christianity even, popular streams will come and go, but the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God stays the same. Jesus stays the same. If we will bring this culture into our life as a community, as individuals, but as a community, just like Jackson did, we will have such a strong church, man. The enemy will not be able to stop us. And Pastor Beck and your team and Chels, you will love me for this teaching because your workload is just going to go, it's going to dwindle. Pop, home group leaders, you're going to love me. Because when people start reading the Bible, the problems start going away. I promise. After I shared everything with Danny, he didn't debate with me or answer any of the questions I had that I thought were valid. I didn't want to sit there and debate and give him another opinion. But everything was saying was really clear in the scriptures. And I said, bro, you need to read the word of God. Sometimes a good friend is not just going to pat you on the back and tell you what you want to hear. A good friend will tell you what you need to hear. And sometimes in a strong manner, in a strong way. 
The Bible says in Proverbs, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. You need good friends around you that'll tell you the truth. In love, of course. So I said, bro, you need to read the Bible. And not just a little verse here and there. Not just pick out the things, your favorite verses. Not just read the the daily devotional scripture that comes up on your newsfeed. That's all good. I'm not saying to stop doing that. But you need to make time to allocate time in your day. How many people here have got time allocated in their day to have lunch every day? Put your hand up. Be honest. Even in your work structure, even in your business, even legally, you have to have a 30-minute break to feed your flesh. And you, you frame these things in your calendar and in your days and you'll stop what you're doing to eat for our flesh, which is going to pass away, which is going to go into the ground, into the grave. It's just a tent. How much more for your spirit, which is the real us, the born-again heart that needs the Word of God, how much more should we structure and discipline time in our day, not just for a little, little bit, but to eat this living Word of God, the bread of life, You need to read chapters. You need to read whole books. If you're struggling in the area like Jackson was of hyper grace, just read the book of Jude about three or four times during the day. The whole book, then you'll get the full counsel. You'll get the mercy, the grace, then you'll get the severity. The Bible says, behold the goodness and the severity. You'll get the repentance part. You'll get the the forgiveness part. You'll get... Uh, instruction about stirring yourself up in your most holy faith. You'll get the warning about not turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. You get the whole counsel of God, not just the bits that you want to hear to make yourself feel better. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus said, I correct or I rebuke and chastise or discipline those that I love. How can Jesus do that? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He can do it through uh, brothers and sisters, through leaders, but in an even more pure way, if you'll let him, he can do it directly through the Word of God. The Word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not just history. It's alive and active, and it cuts right into the core of your being. So read it and say, God, help me, change me, grow me. I want to know you more. And you know, when you look at the Word of God, you look at Jesus. You're looking at the face of Jesus. We say, Lord, I want to seek your face. When you read the Word of God, you're actually seeking the face of Jesus. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is God. Amen. And then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, the written Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the 66 books, the canon scriptures, every word is given by inspiration of God. It is Jesus. The stuff that you like, the stuff that you're not sure about, the stuff that you're still trying to unpack, it's all Jesus. 
And you need to systematically understand God from Genesis to Revelation. Don't just leave it to the scholar and hope that he gets it right. It's not that difficult. When you've got a born-again heart, the Word of God is not that complicated. I want to encourage you, man, read it for yourself and do what you do because of what the Word says and not because of what people say. Amen? So Jackson began to take this on board and uh, he merely recognized, he goes on to say that in his testimony, he merely recognized, I wasn't reading the Bible, which I hadn't in quite some time. He pushed me to read it every day. He encouraged me and said that all of those lies would be shut down if I simply read the Word of God every day. I believe that we should be reading, and this is for all of us, if you've been around for a while, if you're new, you can, you can build your uh, spiritual endurance, if you like. The hunger will begin to open up more and more. But I believe if you've been in this for a few years now, that we should be reading the Word of God, the pure Word of God, without all the commentaries, without all the YouTube preaching. You can throw that in as well, but let that be the icing on the cake, okay? Don't let that be the cake. Get into the Word yourself, okay? And I believe that we should be spending an hour every day on the Word of God. You spend more than an hour eating, like over the whole day, right? How many, how many, how much time do we put into Facebook or other social media platforms? I'm not against that, but if if the word of God is not being read and eaten during our daily life, then man, we got we got problems, we got issues. Amen. Come on, who's with me this morning? Jackson took this on board. He said, within three to four months, people around me started noticing a shift in my countenance as the torment had greatly diminished. This is cool because I can't get the credit for this. I just had one coffee with him. It was, wasn't a particular counselor. Not that there's anything wrong with counselors. We need it. Jesus is the spirit of counseling. But the Word of God was able to cut through everything. He took it on board, he listened, and he began to do the Word of God. After three or four months, people around him begin to notice even his countenance change, what he looked like, his face began to light up again. Peace and freedom began to have his way in my heart and mind again. Remember, this is years of torment. This conversation was one of the things Jesus used to begin a three-year journey of walking out the hyper-grace movement and back on track with following Him closely and wholeheartedly, following what He says instead of a book, blog, YouTube video, or commentary. One of the things he said to me, there was the temptation when I first told him, uh, look, man, you need to read the Bible. You're not reading the Bible. This is why you're just all over the place. You're hearing everyone's opinions. And everything can be answered really simply in the Bible. I don't, I don't even want to debate with you. I just want you to read it and just do it. 
And he had the temptation as he went to go to follow that instruction and to listen to his friend and go into the Word. These thoughts begin to bombard his mind, and especially in the early stages. That's religious. No, he's just trying to get you to strive. Uh, you just need to rest, rest in him. He's just trying to get you to strive. That's, that's legalistic, telling you to read every day. That's legalistic. These are the thoughts that would come to try and get him to stop taking the medicine. The devil tries to stop you from taking the medicine. The devil lies to you to stop you from reading the Bible. Be honest. How many people struggle to read the Bible an hour every day? Be really honest. You struggle to read the Bible an hour a day. Most of us here, this is why God used a bird at the Gold Coast to sing to me again, to remind me that the Word of God does not come back void. This is why I began to tear up over lunch that same day as I read this testimony. And this is why Robin, as I walked in this morning, said, I had a dream about you last night. She said, in the dream, you were releasing the fire of God so that I would love the Word of God. That's what we're going to do in a moment. We're going to release the fire of God so that you would love the Word of God. I'm going to pray that the spirit of self-control and discipline kicks into your life. But not only that, that God would come upon you in such a way that there'd be a supernatural hunger and desire, this burning sensation that you could not put that thing down. I remember when I first got saved, I hated books, hated books. I got radically born again out of craziness, and it was because of an encounter with the presence of God. But if I had have just left it with that encounter, my mind wouldn't have been renewed, and I wouldn't now be able to live out that transformed life. The Word and the Spirit worked together. I had an encounter with the Spirit, but then I needed the Word of God. Now, the Bible says all things work together for good for those in Christ, right? In Christ, for those in Christ. It's not going to work together for good if you're outside of Christ. Sometimes in His mercy, He'll allow some good things to happen to try and lead you into repentance, but you need to be in Christ. So uh, I'm, I was like, I didn't have a job. I was messed up because my life was selling drugs and playing in bands and nightclubs. And when I got born again, I decided I was going to kick those two things. And so I had nothing to do. I was so messed up. I couldn't even hold a normal conversation. My mind was so fragmented. I, I hated being around people. I got delivered of demons. I got delivered of drug addiction. But now I needed something. I needed the medicine of heaven. And that was the word of God. And I hated reading books. The only book, you can ask my mum this, the only book that I finished was The Karate Kid when I was about maybe nine or ten years old. That kept me interested through the whole book because I was reading the movie, I was watching the movie as well. Uh, but apart from that, I would just, f I'd, for homework, I'd flip the book over, read the blurb at the end that kind of helps summarize the book. That's how I'd try and get the answers. And then I would throw to mum. She's a school teacher, by the way. And she'd help me, get me through school. She'd do my homework for me. And so, <laughs> oops. <laughs> but then I found the Bible. Oh, man, I couldn't put that thing down. Eight hours a day, more, just nonstop reading, 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 reading. And still today, reading, 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 reading. I love it. I love it supernaturally. I hated reading. I hated study. But the Bible changed everything. The Bible flipped everything. 
I was talking to the Light FM announcer, by the way. I'm on tonight for the uh, there's three sessions, Awakening Series. So tonight, I think it's between seven and nine. And we had a little chat before because Light FM's approach is a little bit different than my approach. And I think lots of different approaches are good. By all means, win some. But they're trying to... Uh, they frame things or, or word things in a way that appeals to people that don't know Jesus. They're trying to take a positive message to draw people in. It's a family positive message on their radio station predominantly. And they have a big following as a result. They have like a million listeners every month. And uh, so they're trying to explain their strategy in reaching people and trying to say, look, we need you to articulate things in a certain way to be able to reach people and then towards the end of the show we'll bring Jesus in and I'm thinking man I'm going to really struggle with this because right from day dot like God began to reframe my brain through the word of God and I, I try to explain that I said man I'm going I'm to try my best but I said everything I say now is just like automate everything just lines up with the word I said I lost my, the, the enemy stole my ability to be able to communicate when I was messed up 14 years ago. And he reframed my brain and my ability to speak supernaturally through the Word of God. And I've only just kind of realized, like, that talking to this Light FM guy, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can just kind of talk normal. <laughs> Not that I know what normal is. For me, this is normal, you know what I mean? Uh, but everything's Bible, Bible, the Word of God. And, and so uh, I explained that to him, and, and he, he was cool with that. But uh, I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to pray for people. And that dream was so prophetic, and I'm glad that you said that to me because I've left a little bit of space now to, not to give any more teaching but to bring an impartation. The Apostle Paul said, I don't just come with persuasive words or eloquent speech but he wants to come with a demonstration of power I believe right now that supernaturally even your brain is being washed and actually I'm going to leave you with this scripture just so you understand my uh, the title of this message brainwashed are you ready my friends when I first got born again they said man you're brainwashed and uh, I've come to uh, the conclusion that they were right I was brainwashed because my mind was filthy. It was perverted. It was twisted. It was fragmented. It was broken. And then this happened, Ephesians 5.26. This is, uh, the context is to the church. This is to us, okay? Ephesians 5.26, that he might, he, capital H, Jesus, that he might sanctify and cleanse or wash her with the washing of water by the word. My brain got washed. I got brainwashed by the wash, sanctified by the washing of the word. The washing of water by the word. Who feels like they still need a little bit of that? Who feels like there's still more transformation yet to come in their life? We've been destined to be conformed into His image. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. One of the ways to do that is to immerse yourself in a culture that teaches the Word of God in your own personal life. Read the Word of God. Chapters, books. Don't just pick and choose. Take it all. Eat it all. The full counsel of God. The full meal that He wants for you to bring maturity and life into every area 
of your mind, your heart, your soul, your flesh, in Jesus' name. So we taught that, and now I want to pray that you catch that. Some things are taught, and some things are caught. I want a bit of both today. Amen? So come forward. If you have been struggling in the area of reading the Word of God, you've allowed certain things in your mind, certain areas of your life are not flourishing. And you know, listen, it's, it's, I'm not reading the Word of God. The enemy's tricked you into thinking that you don't need to for some reason. Or maybe it's just simply laziness or apathy and you need just a fresh touch of his fire. Come forward. I want to pray fire, fire, fire. Like that dream last night from Robin, you prayed the fire of God that I would be stirred up to be hungry for the Word of God. I'm going to just pray that simply to as many people as I can before we finish. The fire of God. And I want to encourage you to open up your heart to receive it. Be hungry. Be hungry to receive the fire of God that stirs up the hunger for the Word of God in Jesus' name. So I'm going to go around to as many people as I can and then I'd invite the ministry team, our brilliant ministry team, to help. If you need prayer for anything else, please come up as well. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or other resources and information, you can check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Thank you.